Welcome to the RCAP USA Roundup, a podcast where we have real conversations affecting both cattle producers and beef consumers. We're your hosts, Jaden Moreland and Karina Jones. With that, let's get to today's episode. Today, it is becoming more and more common for kids to not return to the ranch as adults. Why are kids not returning to the ranch? What are the struggles young ranchers are facing? What are the next generation's thoughts on hot button industry topics like the checkoff? Why should young ranchers be involved in the conversation? We answer these questions and more with two young ranchers, Patrice Stewart and Claire McKay. Today we have on with us Patrice and Claire. So if y'all want to give us a quick introduction, where are you from? How are you involved in the ranching industry? Just tell us about yourself. Let's start with you, Patrice. Hi, I'm Patrice Stewart. I'm from Paradise Valley, Nevada. I helped my mom own and operate the Stewart's 96 Ranch, which is the oldest ranch in Nevada, still in the same family. I went to Treasure Valley Community College in Ontario, Oregon, was part of Wade Black's horse program. So I have a degree in ranch management and horse production. And I also own and operate Stewart's Performance Horses, where I raise and train quality ranch and performance horses. Very cool. What about you, Claire? So my name is Claire McKay. I work and help my family on the McKay Ranch in Gentura, Oregon. Um, that's pretty much, I'm basically a glorified ranch hand. Um, if you ask my dad and brothers, I can do everything from train a colt to build a fence. Um, I went to school, I actually did do a year at TVCC, but I didn't graduate from there. I went to school in Southern California and studied uh, communications media, which is just a really fancy way of saying I'm a filmmaker. Um, and then I have my own media company called American Dreams Media, which focuses specifically on telling the stories of ranchers and farmers and really anyone in the ag industry, just trying to get information out there about what we do, and why it's important people know what we do. So that's kind of my story. Very cool. Well, we're happy to have you all on today. So diving into those questions, in today's world, we are getting further and further removed from production agriculture. You know, fewer people are familiar with it. And those that did grow up on a ranch are choosing not to come back. So tell us why you chose to come back to the ranch. And in your opinion, what are some of the drivers of young people not returning to the ranch? I came back to the ranch because this life is really all I've ever wanted to do. And that like I was able to go to a program that I was able to bring back a skill that I could add horses to this as a second income. And I just, I see a lot of kids that their families kind of push them into this life. So they kind of resent it and they see more money in a different industry instead of coming back. So I came back to the ranch because for one, it was home and I felt like it was the place I needed to be after I graduated. Even though I did do have a degree in media, ranching was that thing that was just second nature. I think a lot of kids don't come back to the ranch for the reason I left it initially. And that was because at 20, oh shoot, more like, yeah, 20 years old, I was just burnt out I you, when you grow up in that lifestyle it's the same thing day in day out and it's not that I don't love ranching it's just that I'm the kind of person where I need to have something else going on to give me kind of a break from that constant 
day in, day out, just regular working, which I love to do. But I think a lot of kids don't come back to the ranch because of, of that, that burnout. You just get so tired of the repetitiveness. And then you've got the lucky kids who it's in their blood. Like that's their thing. But now I've learned to be able to marry the two industries that I'm in, which is media and ranching and make them work for and with each other. And realizing that I can in fact do both. I don't know if everybody is as lucky to find that. Um, but that's one of the reasons I came back to the ranch as well was to help uh, in, in the way that I knew that I could physically, yes, with working on the ranch, but also in this avenue that a lot of ranchers are not familiar with. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of the other, there's some other reasons of it's a hard industry to get started in, especially if the ranch already is barely breaking even. And then to bring in another person to be able to support on that ranch is hard, but also I mean, starting from scratch in this industry right now is almost impossible. And a lot of kids just don't see it as a viable option to make money anymore. So what empowers you as a young rancher and what drives you to continue staying on the ranch and to continue working in the industry? I definitely feel pride in the fact that, hey, I raise beef and I help feed our nation and the world. My dad always told me, and it kind of goes back to like what Claire said some, it's just in our blood that you got to love the romance and the way of life because you're not going to make a million bucks at being a cattle rancher. You just, you have to love it and love being able to work outside and work with your hands and raise something that helps feed a lot of people. So I'm going to piggyback off that. There's an incredible amount of pride growing up in this industry and the people that you get to meet and that you grow up with. A, a quote that you'll read in random places is the quickest way to become a million dollar rancher is to start with $2 million. But it's, it's a fact, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle you absolutely have to love because it's grueling. It's three o'clock in the morning pulling calves. It's having to feed in a blizzard. You know, it's, you really have to love the industry love what you're doing, have respect for what you're doing and some respect for yourself and everybody else who's doing it with you. For me personally, as far as what empowers me to, to continue doing it is because being a rancher is what's given me the confidence and courage to even be something else. Because I started in a place where I had to work for everything that I wanted and I saw what it looked like to work for everything that you wanted. I, I've watched my dad create his dream ranch and being able to see that is so inspirational. It tells me that if I keep working at it and if I love whatever it is I'm doing enough, I can accomplish that goal. And it's not going to be easy. At the end of the day, you're gonna have spilled a lot of probably blood, sweat and tears. It's gonna be an emotional journey, but at the end of it, that ability to inspire kids in any industry, people in any industry, I think that starts with an industry like the ranching and ag industries because these people are some of the toughest hardest working people you'll ever meet, um, which may be a biased opinion, but it's hard work. And if they, if they can do it for as little reward as they get at the end of it, you can do anything. Your generation, more than most that we have seen in the past, is facing some incredible challenges, especially to enter into the cattle industry. Talk to us about what those challenges are and how you're overcoming those challenges. I am not in any way trying to be offensive to especially the young generation, but this is what I've seen as a young rancher. And this is one of the biggest struggles that I have come across. So I did a project last year called the Graze and Save Project, where I went around for pretty much the whole summer and just talked to ranchers and 
different people in the ag industry, you know, kind of about the struggles that they're dealing with. One of the biggest struggles I think for a young rancher is that we are raised, first of all, by a generation that's all about work, you know, just, just nose to the grind, getting it done day in and day out. And that is an amazing way to be, except when you're in an industry that's now run by people who don't understand the amount of work you have to put into a day. And the way that I've been trying to overcome the struggle of, it's not so much ignorance as it's just not knowing where to go for certain pieces of information, is I've been getting up and going to things like the RCAF convention. I go to meetings, I, I sit down with my local representatives and talk to them because we can work our butts off all day, but at the end of the day, we're not making any headway because we're not the ones in control, if that makes any sense. And we need, to, we need at least to have a seat at the table listening to that conversation. But that starts with us doing that research and going out and asking those questions and getting that information from the people who are out there essentially guiding our entire lives without knowing what it is that we do. You know, it's one thing to get up at six o'clock in the morning and go for 12, 16 hours a day and come home and know that you've done something. It's a whole other thing to try to explain to somebody who's sitting in freaking New York why we do that and how hard that is and, and that we deserve to be, you know, paid for, you know, in accordance with how hard we work. And I think as far as industries go, we're one of the most underpaid people, you know, in the world. That's the biggest struggle I have seen is just young people not knowing where to go to ask questions or even get their voices heard or even know what questions to ask because we wake up like our parents do and we go out and we work and we come back and we look at the books at the end of the year and we're like what the heck it's like well if you look up above you you know like there's a whole trickle down system and it gets to you and they're like here's some pennies good job you know <laughs> you know like that's how it feels to me anyway so my what I've been doing is just trying to be as ed educated as possible and then bringing that back to my family, to my friends. I mean, like, here's what's going on and here's what we can do, but you have to light the fire under them. And that's what's hard to do. If you don't like start fighting back kind of on their, on their battlefield a little bit. So you gotta just kind of gain those skills and it's not easy, but that would be my biggest piece of advice. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do, so. <laughs> That's a really good answer, Claire. And honestly, not what I was expecting you to say. And so, but it really has me thinking about some things. Patrice, what do you think your challenges are as a young producer? It's hard for us to get loans for cattle and all that kind of stuff because they're like, oh, you're young. You don't, you're just out of college or whatever it is. Yes, I was very fortunate that I'm the only child of my family. So I got to come back to the ranch, but a lot of people, even if you want to come back, they may have three, five siblings, whatever it is, and you can't make that work on a ranch. So they have to go out, try to find land that they can lease, they can buy, whatever. And that is hard because you can't get a loan for it, or you just, you can't make it pencil with how much cattle prices are so low now. So let's talk about some industry issues. Patrice, you had said earlier something that really piqued my interest about the pride you take in feeding this country. Tell me what your guys' um, opinion, perspective uh, is of the fact 
that we have no way to differentiate our product in the marketplace with a mandatory country of origin label that shows where that beef in that grocery store was born, raised, and harvested. How does that make you feel as an American cattle producer that you are not allowed a way to differentiate your product, like say a tomato grower or um, an avocado grower in the U.S.? It definitely makes me mad because, you know, we raise our cattle, not we, they're natural, they are completely safe for people to eat, and they're some of the best, but with how they, the mandatory cool is, we, you don't know that you're not getting beef from Mexico or wherever where we do, they haven't eradicated hoof and mouth disease, you do not know that that is safe, and I truly do think that if we did have mandatory cool, the American consumer would say, I wanna eat something that is healthy and safe for me instead of something that might have disease. It's frustrating as you know, a cattle producer to not have that information out there. And the way that I look at it is what's the difference between the cattle industry and having all of our beef and not just the cattle industry, but the ag industry um, and having all of our products labeled and say the fashion industry. The more you know about an item, especially where it comes from, gives it prestige. It gives it an importance. So why why can't we have that? Like I would like people to know that the, the steak they're eating in some three-star Michelin restaurant came from my, my family's ranch or came from America. That leads right back to the pride thing. Like I'm proud of what we do. We also know where, where it's raised, how it's raised, what's in it, what's not in it. It's frustrating because it, I don't understand the thinking behind it because we always want to know where everything comes from. But for some reason, in the cattle industry, that's the one industry where we're like, yeah, we, we really don't care. You're consuming that. That's a product that goes into your body. Wouldn't you want to know if it's the best possible product out there? Wouldn't you want to know the country it comes from and maybe what some of their issues are? I, I just want to, that'd be my question is, is what's the difference? Like, why, why can't we have that if other industries can have that? Why wouldn't you want to know where your product comes from and how, how it's raised? You know, another industry topic that really affects your generation is the beef checkoff. Um, it's been since 1985, since the American cattle producer was given an opportunity to vote on the beef checkoff. I didn't get to vote on in 1985, so I'm really doubting that you ladies got to vote as well. Um, yet we are all forced to pay that mandatory tax. Do you feel like you have representation on the beef checkoff and how it is used? They really just are money to lobby against like mandatory cool. They lobby against us the cattle producer and that they also use it to promote beef but it's not like promoting u.s beef which it's coming from the producers of u.s beef it should be promoting our beef not just beef as a whole i feel like the idea of the beef check off is good the execution is very poor maybe when they created it just like with every other you know thing that starts out as an, like a good idea it gets warped over time and it doesn't grow and something like the beef check off it needs needs to have grown with the generations that it's, it's following because like patrice said now you've taken what was probably started out as a decent idea and you've warped it to where it, you can use it against the initial, well, what it was designed for. 
so no, I don't believe that we're represented uh, with it. I don't like the fact that you pay into something where that money is then used against you. It's essentially just like, well, it'd be like paying into like an arms dealer and having them turn around and shoot you with the gun. So I, yeah, I, I don't know how you would, you know, essentially fix that, but I guarantee you there are a lot of people that don't like it because of the exact things that we mentioned. It's not, it's not helping. It's, if anything, it's throwing up every roadblock it possibly can right now for the American beef producer. You brought up a really good point um, that the beef industry has changed in 37 years. You know, we have lost a lot of cattle producers. We have lost millions of head in our domestic cattle herd. Our, ca- our domestic cattle herd is shrinking. Um, in 1985, when the beef checkoff was implemented, producers like you and I received 57% of the consumer dollar. And today we receive 37%. So this program is no longer meeting the needs of the cattle industry, the people who pay into it. And you're right, reforms need to need to, to happen. So, you know, as you guys have stated some really strong opinions about industry issues like MCOOL and the beef checkoff and your challenges of entering back into the industry, do you feel like your generation is heard by big ag in the grand scheme of the cattle industry? I definitely don't think that they hear us or value us because they kind of see us as young and almost like uneducated in this industry. The only time that they will listen to something we're saying is if we are agreeing with everything that they say. And (laughs) Uh, I agree with Patrice. No, I don't think young people are heard by big ag. And for the exact same reason, I think they kind of look at us as, oh, you youngster. You, you child, you sit back and let the adults do this. Like, we're not stupid. We're paying very close attention to everything that goes on because we're living it and we're doing it. So no, actually, we're not dumb. And like Patrice said, they only care if we're agreeing. But the minute that you veer off, you know, like that sheep doesn't have a clue what it's doing or, you know, let's not listen to that sheep that doesn't know. And that's very frustrating as a young producer because Patrice and I, we spend a lot of time doing research outside of the ranch. Like, whether it's politically or, you know, just for the industry itself, we spend a decent amount of time trying to understand what the heck is going on collectively. And it, that's, it's so insulting to, to not be heard because sometimes, you know, we're not going to learn anything if we don't ask questions or if we don't go up against what somebody's saying. Like, I want you to break down for me why you think the way you think. Why does the beef checkoff work in your opinion? All right, now let me tell you where it doesn't work in mine. The idea is that you listen and then I listen and then we come to some sort of meeting point where it actually works for everybody. But if you just look at me like, congratulations, you've been on the ranch your whole life, but that doesn't mean you know what you're talking about, kid. Then we're not going to get anywhere. So we're the ones who are doing majority of the talking you know we're the ones who need to be doing the majority of the talking and big ag is not listening and so we've got to do a better job of getting behind the microphone and either sitting down at that table it's interesting you say some of those things because it's actually something that um us here our calf have recognized really is that your generation is really showing up and is interested in the topics is engaged and wanting to engage. And Bill Bowler just recently spoke at Iowa State University to an audience of almost 250 young cattle producers who are involved 
involved in the beef production classes. And when I heard that that audience got that big, that they were that interested in what Bill had to say, that was really kind of a, a light bulb moment for me and, you know, Jaden as well. We are definitely seeing more engagement from your guys's uh, generation, and we are seeing it in our convention numbers. And we're getting feedback from older generations that it's kind of invigorating them. It's re-energizing them because they see you all fighting, interested, you know, getting in the trenches and it's inspiring them to stay the course. So like we talked about the beef checkoff earlier and how it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And more on that is beef consumption is down 20% from when the beef checkoff started. And so it's clear there's a disconnect between the producer and the consumer. And kind of like I said at the beginning, people are getting further and further removed from production ag. There's a lot less of, well, yeah, my grandpa used to ranch or he used to have a few cows. And there's more of, what do you mean beef doesn't come straight from the grocery store? And so if you were to sit down and have a conversation with a consumer who knew nothing about our industry What are some of the things you would tell them about being in the cattle industry and being a young rancher? I'd ask them what they do know. What do you know? What have you heard? Where do you get your information? And kind of then base the conversation off of that versus just assuming they know absolutely nothing. And then if they, you know, prove to me that they knew absolutely nothing, then I could start that conversation. But I would, I would definitely start with what what do you, what do you think about ranchers? Like, what do you think about farmers? What do you think it is that we do? Where do you think your food comes from? You know, I, I honestly, how do you think it's handled? Do you know what's in it? Do you know what's not in it? Like, where do you get your information? Because you're looking at an industry professional. I can tell you what I know. And if there's something I don't know, trust me, I have a string of people I can send you to that can tell you information. That's going to be more 100% than something you find on YouTube, something you find on Wikipedia. I promise you, if you go to the producer, you're going to learn a lot more. Kind of go what Claire said, that we got to tell consumers that we are not the people that are destroying the planet we are trying to keep it going because our livelihoods depend on it and we are not these people that go out and torture animals like we truly do love these animals (laughs) and that they also kind of need to know hey once this industry is gone it's gone for good we're not gonna get ranching back if we completely destroy it So to add something else to that question, what do y'all think is the key to improving that disconnect? Like take the beef check off out of it. How do we as young ranchers improve that disconnect to consumers? How do we, what's the tool to communicate with them? I definitely think social media is a great tool (laughs) because a lot of young people, that's what they're on. They're on Facebook, they're on Snapchat, TikTok, whatever it is. And we got to get our information out there. And as young ranchers, we can use those kind of things that the older generation didn't have or don't quite understand. We can use TikTok and all those to get our information out. So now I'm going to ask the question because this is kind of morphing, you know, coming, coming full circle. So do you feel that it is the beef checkoffs job to tell the American cattle producer's story to the consumer. We all pay a dollar a head for beef promotion and research and marketing. Do you feel that our beef checkoff is connecting our story to the consumer audience? 
two of the three important words that you mentioned were promotion and marketing. We're paying a lot of money for those, those two things. I don't see a lot of information out there and I'm in the dang industry. And so it's frustrating to get questions like, you, what do you mean it doesn't come from the store? Hey, beef checkoff, that's on you guys. Like you're supposed to be letting them know where their food comes from, what's in it. That's what we essentially are paying into. And it's so as a beef producer, it is frustrating because you're seeing an entity that is designed to help promote you not doing that. You know, as somebody who pays into that, like that's frustrating. It's like, then what exactly am I paying for? I need you to promote and market and help. You know, I, that's a question I think a lot of ranchers have is what's the point of you if you're not seeking my best interest or the best interest of this industry? So I would love to see more promotion. I would love to see more marketing. And like Patrice said, if we don't, this is an industry that's not just going to bounce back once it's destroyed. So your yeah, generation I, too is also basically the next biggest potential beef buyers in the grocery store. Your generation eats out a lot. Do you think the beef checkoff, I'm going to kind of rephrase that, that question. Do you think the beef checkoff is targeting your generation with information about beef and how it is raised? I definitely don't think it is targeting us as a younger generation because you don't really see like again going on social media you don't see beef being advertised on social media even as a cattle producer you don't see it and like you don't see like going to mcdonald's you don't see that it says us beef you just you don't even you're not sure is this even from this country in this store and half the time you go is this even is it really beef or is it just some kind of cheap substitute you know and on this topic something that the beef checkoff recently invested a lot of money in is sponsoring a nascar race i mean i know that you guys can only speak you know for your generation and and your thoughts on that do you think sponsoring a nascar race really connected with the American consumer. If you're going to sponsor something as a beef industry, why don't you sponsor a rodeo? Like something that has something to do with the industry that you're supposed to be promoting. Because I don't watch NASCAR. I couldn't care less about NASCAR, but I do watch the NFR. I do watch the American. You know, I go to rodeos or, you know, ropings, whatever. And you don't see any marketing or promotion there. Why wouldn't you pick there? to be because it makes sense at least to me I I might be wrong I don't know I definitely agree with that because like we just had the Winnemucca Ranch hand rodeo here this last weekend and I had somebody come up to me and was like oh my gosh you look like the real deal and I was kind of like well I am the real deal I rodeo I'm I'm in the beef industry and he was like but doesn't beef come from the store and that was one of those I was like (laughs) oh my gosh, you're at a ranch rodeo, but, and like I tried to explain to him everything, but yeah, we definitely, we have those people that just, they see something going on and they're like, hey, let's go to a rodeo. And we don't have any, any advertisement of the beef at those kind of things. Well, and even like, so I'm going to use the Houston rodeo. You know how many consumers go to the Houston rodeo? A ton, like half the people at in the Houston Rodeo Arena 
are not producers. And so that's another perfect opportunity for them. And I'm going to add on to this too of, I don't think they're targeting our generation at all. When, you know, New York schools just announced that they're doing meatless Mondays and then vegan Fridays. So they're indoctrinating us into this vegan system. Where's the beef checkoff on that? And why are they not doing something to combat that? And yeah, that was, I had to add that in there. So as we kind of start to wrap up here, let's just, let's just peel back the layers. Why are you two a part of RCAF USA? You came to your first convention last year, um, or I know Patrice, you've been there a couple of times. Claire, you came to your first one. Tell us why you're a part of RCAF and give those young ranchers listening a little nugget of why they need to get involved with RCAF and our state or local affiliates. I am definitely part of RCAF because it is the one trade association that actually it is about the producer. It's not just beef as a whole. It is trying to help us producers. And for young ranchers, I definitely think we need to be in the conversation because we are the future of this industry. And like Claire said, we are the new old generation and that we need to be able to like these older, the older generation needs to see, hey, there are young people want in this industry and all of our hard work and our fight is not going to be in for, for vain really yeah i agree with patrice i'm a part of rcaf because well i went to the convention because i wanted to know more and for somebody who grew up in you know the beef industry as a cattle producer i learned so much last year like it's kind of phenomenal how you can live in an industry your whole life and kind of only know a slice of the pie and so I wanted to know more and I definitely got that, but I also felt respected. I felt listened to, and I, I was surrounded by like-minded people. It wasn't like a young person going to Disneyland, you know, and like, this is cool where all the cool people live. It's like, no, I was actually at the table, you know, and I had people talking to me, people asking me genuine questions. They weren't asking me because they were bored or they thought I was bored. They were asking because they, actually wanted to hear what I had to say and for young people that is so important like we're already trying so hard to be taken seriously it's nice to actually be taken seriously because this is a serious conversation and we deserve to have a seat at that table because we've been busting our butts alongside all the older generations we are there trying to make something out of this industry trying to keep it around you know I don't want to see it disappear this industry has given me everything that I have. It's given me every opportunity that I have. There's, there's no way I would have left home with the confidence that I could go do something else and come back. And so I definitely think younger people, if you want to be heard, this would be, this is your platform. You know, this is a great place to start. And if you can't get to the convention, go find your local representatives. What they want to know and what they want to see is initiative. You know, it's one thing to sit around at home and be like, I would like to be a part of the conversation. It's a whole other thing to actually get up and go be a part of the conversation. Ask questions and, and really be in that conversation and argue with people if, if that's your thing. You know, but be a part of the dang conversation. Don't just talk about it. This makes me so happy, you know, because one of my biggest goals when I came on to RCAF was to bring the Young Ranchers platform to RCAF. And so it makes me happy that y'all feel heard and y'all feel welcome at our convention and on our platform. And I think 
like y'all said, being involved in the conversation, it doesn't mean you have to fly across the country and come to convention, even though we would love for you to do that. But you can get involved on our social media. I mean, social media, podcast, we have all these platforms that we're trying to get young people involved in the conversation. And I'm going to add on to Karina's question. Why do y'all think people should come to convention? Definitely come to convention because like Claire said, you learn so much at convention, even as a beef producer, you learn more stuff that you wouldn't have learned just at home. And uh, as a young person, you are heard and you are a part of that conversation. You're not just at some conventions where they're just like, eh, whatever, you're a young person, you don't really belong here. I would definitely say go to convention because number one, it's an amazing experience. It just is. Uh, it's you know, you're in this, you know, big hall with a bunch of like-minded people. It's electric. You can feel that everyone is on the same team. And especially if you've been lacking that, like you just feel like you need to have kind of your, that camaraderie, you're going to find it at convention. Plus it's super cool to get on a plane and like fly across the country and say that you did that that summer. But um, definitely if you want to feel heard as a young person, go to convention. If you want a platform, go to convention. If you're needing a booster in confidence, go to convention. I could go on all day here, guys, so stop me whenever you get bored. Um, <laughs> definitely as a young person, go. You know, it might be the, the only time you do it in your life. You won't regret it because um, you'll learn a lot, if not about the industry, about yourself, you know, and what's important to you. So go to convention. South Dakota is a fun place too. There's lots of stuff to do and it's in Deadwood. So it'll be extra fun this year. <laughs> but so to wrap us up, what is y'all's favorite cut of beef and how do you like it prepared? Uh, I mean, I kind of agree with Claire there, the, the whole cow. But, um, <laughs> I probably say a ribeye and I love it prepared medium rare over a sagebrush fire. That's very specific. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say ribeye too, or a, like a New York strep or T-bone or really just any of it, like over like barbecue, medium rare, probably a ribeye. I'm going to go with Patrice on that one. Probably a ribeye. Awesome. That is our most common answer for good reason. So before we get off, any final comments, questions, anything else y'all want to say? I kind of wanted like when we were talking about the social media aspect, if we can figure out and i I, this is a conversation I'd love to have with more young people or even people who are older and already in the, you know, RCAP and industry. Like, how, how do we tackle the social media industry? Because it's already inundated with so much. How do we get heard? You know, like, how can we kind of rise above a lot of that noise and be heard through that? Because I think once we figure it out that, I really think we'll have the opportunity to change how the consumer thinks, but we just kind of got to be louder than some of the loudest people out there who are against us. I just don't know, you know, I, that's a question I'd ask pretty much anyone is how do you think that we can accomplish that? I just, I completely agree with Claire because there are so many things on social media that are against beef, against the ranching community that like PETA and all that kind of stuff. Like, how do we be the louder voice in that conversation? Yeah, and I think that's a conversation worth having, which I don't know if we have time to do it on this episode, but <laughs> we can certainly do something about that. 
Thank y'all so much for talking with us today. We are so thankful to have young ranchers like you involved in RCAP USA. It is so clear the passion these girls share for the ranching industry and Western way of life. I hope our listeners were inspired by this conversation and took away how valuable this upcoming generation of ranchers are and how they too want to be involved in the changes happening in their cattle industry. If you're a young rancher listening, we extend a welcoming hand to come to our platforms and be heard and valued. If you can, come to convention. If that's not feasible, reach out to us on social media and find out how you can be involved in your cattle industry. Whether that be advocating through social media or researching and being educated on industry topics or being super involved in cattle associations like sitting on committee chairs, there is a place at the table for young and experienced ranchers alike in our changing industry. So let's all work together to help the cattle industry be prosperous for generations to come and make it possible for more kids to return to the ranch and the beauty of our lifestyle. Thank you so much for listening today. And as always, follow us at RCAPUSA on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the RCAPUSA Roundup. To learn more about RCAPUSA, visit our website, www.r-calfusa.com. Dot com.